It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. Hi, back with you. Here we go. Rolling along with you. I'm Matt. Starting off hour number two in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes. That's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agency. Y'all text me on the country please and text line. It's 885-ESPN-601. 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Look for that hog. That's what I'm talking about. I I, um, am finishing up that package of pepper jack and green onion sausage that I was eating for breakfast. And uh, I got a package of Cajun. I just found in my freezer uh, a package of the original smoked sausage flavor. And I came up with an idea. You know, getting into this food photography business. And uh, I got something I want to make with that original. I hadn't told the homecoming queen yet, though. Sometimes you get to making stuff in the kitchen, you make a mess. So y'all pray for me. Put me on the prayer list. And text me, 885-ESPN, or call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. Hey, speaking of Divinity, if you, if you call me or if you don't, I want you to know this about Divinity. I mentioned this to you yesterday. They are growing, and they've got some positions available. And you may you may be right in line for one of these. If you qualify, hit them up at Divini. Uh, they've got some positions to fill. They're growing as a company. Sales and service, and looking to fill some new positions here in the uh, new year. So in the shop, they need technicians, and they service everything that they sell. And in terms of immediate needs right now, if you're a mower technician, you got experience working on mowers, diesel tractors, uh, construction equipment experts. They've got spots for you right now at Divinity. You know, two locations for Divinity, Highway 51 Madison, Spring Ridge Road uh, in Jackson. But, you know, if you're going by, go in. But if not, just go online to DiviniEquipment.com. That's D-E-V-I-N-E-Y, one N, DiviniEquipment.com, and look up and call them. Uh, great pay, monthly bonus opportunities as well as benefits, and they're putting together a big-time team over there. You might want to be a part of it. Also, in their parts division, they need a counter person there, um, but anybody with parts experience in that type of equipment business, y'all hit them up. Divinity is looking for you. They are growing and looking to add people. All right? So job opportunities. Who isn't excited about an opportunity? Well, I'll say this. In the transfer portal, many see it as an opportunity. Right? How's that for a segue? Others see it as bunch of quitters. <laughs> so which is it? Is it opportunity or is it a bunch of quitters? Well, you know, the old saying is the truth lies somewhere in the middle, usually. Okay, so here's what I thought I would do with you. I got two or three things I want to run across your desk here for approval if you're listening to the show. Yesterday, I went through the list. You know, JSU1 called, and we went through the list of transferring in, transferring out players for Jackson State. They're adding a bunch of other FBS and D1 players to the roster at Jackson State. We didn't take a an overview look uh, to, to sort of update what's going on at State and Ole Miss and Southern Miss. So we're going to do that now. 
I got names. I got people in and out. You've even got recent updates as recent as yesterday in some of these. So I'll tell you what those are. First, let me read this text here from Delta Tide fan. Delta Tide fan said, college football joke of the day. Georgia has had as much luck winning the national championship as the late Louis Grizzard did retaining a successful what? Job? I, hey. Marriage. Oh, marriage. Is that on there? Because I don't see marriage on there. No, but I can guess what he had to yeah, say. That's what it is, right? Because all his jokes were about his ex-wives. Yeah, he had a bunch of ex-wives. Yeah. Why does it get cut off like that? I don't understand why sometimes somebody will text something, and it's like we get half of the text. It must be a, must be a. Is it a character thing? Maybe on some people's phones. It could be like a limit or, yeah. or what? I just don't know. Um, Boomer Sooner texted the show during that conversation a minute ago. I was just curious if LSU plays Auburn in men's basketball. Do people who work in compliance with the NCAA and enforcement do they get free tickets? Just asking. Boomer Sooner says, hey, Matt, if the NCAA isn't going to do anything to Wade and LSU, they ain't doing anything to anybody. And you know what, Boomer Sooner? You're right. I've said it for many years, in fact. Uh, NCAA enforcement, it's like a ghost we all believe in. That's what it is. It's time to stop believing in it. Do the opposite of that song they play in the fourth quarter. It's time to stop believing in it. <laughs> okay. Um <clears throat> Transfer portal update. Here it is. The most recent updates chronologically for Mississippi State. We'll start with State. Uh, yesterday for Mississippi State, cornerback Kyle Cass announced that he's in the portal transferring out. Has not announced a destination yet. Um. A couple days ago, transferring in to Mississippi State from Northwestern, wide receiver Jordan Mosley. Also in the last few days, wide receiver transferring out from Mississippi State, Quentin Torbor. A couple days ago, transferring in to Mississippi State from the portal, cornerback from West Virginia, Jackie Matthews. And I think that is the most – because uh, right after that, you know, you've got Calvin McMillan, the offensive tackle, who announced he's going to transfer out. That was back on January the 5th, and we talked about that maybe the day after. So in terms of the last update we got on this show, those are the additions and subtractions. State loses a corner to the portal in Kyle Cass. They gain a corner in Jackie Matthews from West Virginia. They lose a receiver in Quentin Torber to the uh, portal, but they gain a receiver from Northwestern in Jordan Mosley. So it's like a one-for-one in terms of any of that. state. I'll get to Ole Miss and Southern Miss coming up. But right now, on the Divinity phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison, and in Jackson, Drug Dog on line one. What's up, Drug Dog? Hey, Matt. I just uh, cut on the show, and I heard you talking about a little, a little bit of a – Louis Grizzard. Have you have you talked much about him? No. One of his jokes I just remember for forever that was hilarious. Okay, I want to hear it. What what came up was Delta Tide fan text the show and he said the college football joke of the day. It got cut off, but Bill filled me in. We assumed the text was supposed to end this way. It said Georgia had as much luck winning the national championships as of late as Louis Grizzard did retaining a successful marriage, but marriage wasn't on there. 
And I don't know if that's funny or not, but hopefully yours is better. Well, I hope so. You know, I, I try to pride myself a little humor. So, Louis Grizzard and his buddy were at a Georgia Bulldog football game, and they brought the mascot out. And on the 50-yard line, and the Uga sat there and reached under and started licking himself. And his friend turned to Louis Grizzard and said, Man, I wish I could do that. And Louis Grizzard said, Man, that dog would bite you. <laughs> yeah, that's one that's never that- not funny. It's always funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but his book, his books were great. I used to read every book that I could get on, uh, get my hands a hold of him. He was he was really a, an American icon in yeah, my opinion. No doubt about it. When did he when did he pass away? Was it early mid nineties? A while ago. Yeah, it was a while yeah, back. It's, it's been it's been twenty thirty years ago. Yeah, at least. And um, see, you know, hey, Matt, let me ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was no, just, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, drug dog, that for me, like. I think he passed away when I was either in high school or just getting out of high school. And it was one of those yeah. I had always heard about Louis Grizzard. I had always heard his jokes, but because of my age, I never sat down and read his books. And I think, you know, at this point in my life, it's time to get some Louis Grizzard books and read them. And thank you for, you know, sparking that thought. Mm-hmm. He died in 1990, <laughs> 1994. By 94, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let me say, I was, uh, I've been married three years by then. I'd been out of state for seven years so i'm a little bit older than you Matt. <laughs> okay i got you i got just, you just a little bit so anyway man that's all i wanted i just heard his name and it just kind of you know brought back some good memories sure. about some stories about him and that joke man so hey man have a good show right, appreciate it and i absolutely miss your third hour you know, i love the first two but i'm really missing that third hour it's killing me well i appreciate that very much drug dog thanks for listening man call me anytime yeah you know lewis grizzard had a lot of heart problems did he really hmm. yeah he had a bad really bad heart Hmm. Okay. The he was a funny dude. Surgeries yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Right? Bypasses and that kind of mm. thing. Yeah, he was a funny guy. He was not that old when he passed away. So, Isn't he the one that said the definition of a good old boy is he doesn't throw his beer cans in the neighbor's yard? And that the <laughs> Could day, have been him. I think Could have been him. <laughs> I think that was Louis Grizzard right there. Uh, now, back to the portal. I should have said, Jason texted and said, I really despise how much this stuff is looking like NFL free agency. With that, Jason, uh, let's go back over here and check on uh, (laughs) the most recent portal updates for Ole Miss. We just did State. Let's do Ole Miss now. Okay. Yesterday, uh, defensive back Tylen Knight transferring out of Ole Miss going elsewhere. He has not announced the destination. Tyler Knight, isn't he from Pearl High School? Yeah, he's a local kid. Made some plays for Ole Miss. He made, in, two years ago, the 2020 Egg Bowl, I remember he made a huge play on a turnover at the goal line and went the other way. Uh, a couple days ago, though, um, a linebacker transferring to Ole Miss from Central Michigan, Troy Brown. Okay. Um, and then close to a week ago, interior offensive lineman from Ole Miss, Bryce Ramsey, transferring out, going to Southern Miss. Now, before that, you'll remember there was a kid we mentioned, we saw the news again about a week ago or so. Uh, a receiver from Ole Miss, Jaden Jackson, he left Ole Miss. He is now he's going to South Alabama. Uh, Plumley is indeed going to Central Florida. 
Uh, and then I think that's it. I think in terms of the most recent ones, that's the the most recent I see. Uh, they uh, at least that's listed over twenty four seven sports. A couple other that jumped into the portal. Tyler Knight jumped into the portal from Ole Miss yesterday, but they pick up the linebacker from Central Michigan, uh, Troy Brown, in the uh, portal. I hit Southern Miss in a minute. Back over to the phone line right now. Tide Man hanging on line one. What's up, Tide Man? Hey, good afternoon. Hey. My favorite my favorite uh uh Lewis Grizzard quote. Baptists never make love standing up. You know why? They're afraid someone might see them and think they're dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. That's a, yeah, I saw that one time. Yeah, I apologize. I've not been able, because of my schedule, I've not been able to tune into you this week. And I know you've probably rehashed this game uh, six ways to Sunday. But I want to just give you some thoughts, my analysis of the game, and then let you um, tell me what you think about it, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I was obviously disappointed. But uh, this was really uh, ex- this team exceeded our expectations uh, with all the injuries and you know people leaving for the NFL last year, six NFL first round NFL draft picks, all that. Anyway, I know the Bama standard is national championship or bust, but really I was very proud that we even got into the position that we got. And all credit to Georgia. Let me say that I can't uh, emphasize that enough. They were the better team. We were outplayed, not effort-wise, but just uh, schematically, whatever. We, we were just outplayed and outcoached. My question for you is the thing that bothered me the most, um, beside the injury, you can't do anything about that, but Georgia actually beat us playing Alabama football. We had their, We had our foot on their throats in the third quarter. When we finally started running the ball and Brian Robinson was getting into a rhythm and our offensive line was starting to kind of wear Georgia down a little bit. And then we get down in the red zone. And I hate to be one of these guys that blames, I guess I'm just a fan, so I'm always looking for somebody to blame. But I can't help but to blame this one on Bill O'Brien because he took the ball out of Brian Robinson's hand. You're Alabama. I know you're going up against the Georgia defense, the best in the nation, one of the best defensive fronts we've ever seen. But you line up, you say this is four-down territory. Brian Robinson's a physical runner. You put, you do what Georgia did. You put in one of your big boys. Put in Fredarius Mathis there at fullback and run behind him, behind Evan Mathis, and you just or Evan Neal, I mean, and you just man up and say we're going to we're going to pound it in there. That's what Georgia did to us when it came down to it. But yeah. instead, we tried to get too cute. I know you don't want to take the ball out of Bryce Young's hand. He's a Heisman Trophy winner and all that. But I just felt like Georgia beat us playing Alabama football, and I hang that on Bill O'Brien. We yeah. took our foot off the gas. And I'll, I'll, I'll anyway, I'll, you know, I'll just leave it at that and hang up and let you comment on that. But anyway, congrats to Georgia. I'm proud of this team. Looking forward to next year. Roll Tide. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Tide, man. Appreciate your call. I will um, respectfully, you know, kind of disagree with your take on Alabama sort of taking their foot off the gas in in the run game, as you say, and they should have fed Robinson the running back and 
and you know maybe put in a fullback and do all that kind of stuff. I, I actually disagree. I, I've gone back and watched it again. I just watched it live, and you know, I'm just one guy. My opinion is what is what it is. You weren't beating them. You weren't even really going to get first downs committing yourself to hand that football off against their defense. They they were whipping you up front, and it's almost like Alabama. They scouted correctly and knew you were going to get whipped up front. Your chances of getting first downs and scores was throwing the ball, period. Now, hold on. Let me give you some examples. Look at your goal line situations. Huge difference in the game was what? Alabama could not run the ball into the end zone from four yards away, from five yards away, from seven yards away. Why not? Because your, your, your backs, the guys you're handing the football to, they could, they could barely get three yards of carry. I mean, you gave the ball to Brian Robinson 22 times in a game. He averaged 3.1 yards. Okay, so if we do the math right there, that does not equal a first down. The other guy who got the ball twice, he was worse. Sanders got a couple of carries, two and a half. So you just you weren't going to do it. You could say commit to it, but you, the object is to not keep it close. The object is to score and win, and your chances of getting first downs and scoring and winning were throwing the ball, period. End of story. And it's like yesterday Rooster called in, and he was saying, this is proof that the air raid won't work in the SEC. Well, number one, just because you throw the ball doesn't make it the air raid. Technically, I mean, the air raid has like different concepts and different rules and different ways of calling it and different ideas for down and distance than most other pass games. It just does. So, But what he's talking about is they threw it so many times. But what you have to consider is, listen to me. I'll show you on film. I posted it today. It's on my Facebook page. It's on my Twitter feed. It's on my YouTube channel right now. Posted it this morning. And the title of it is, Bryce Young wasn't the issue against Georgia. And the play calling wasn't the issue against Georgia. Pass protection was a little bit of an issue. But Bryce Young is so good that he even balanced that out at times. That's how good he is. Bryce Young made clutch throw after clutch throw after clutch throw to guys who could not catch the ball. The play calling is what they had to do to win. And with their quarterback, even porous protection, it still gave them a chance to win. In fact, they should have been way ahead in the game. Watch the film that I posted. Watch it. It's just there are more examples, but I just posted six of them. In every quarter, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Tideman says 3.3 yards. It ain't 3.3. It's 3.1. Do the math. 3.1 yards per carry ain't enough. (laughs) Anybody saying that Bill O'Brien's play calling was the issue in the game you don't understand which fully like everything they were working against and having to work through. And then, yes, you get in the game and your, your best pass catcher, your biggest threat to go over the top of the defense, which would have changed it a little bit if he stayed healthy, Jamison Williams gets hurt. But the biggest issue, watch, what, watch the film that I posted. 
Bryce Young made some unbelievable clutch, accurate, gutsy throws, and got, they didn't have guys go catch the football. And everybody looks at me and says, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Because Mechie got hurt months ago, and then Williams got hurt in the first quarter. There's their one and two. Here's the thing. You got a whole lot more than two receivers. Some of these drops are your starting tight ends. Your tight end dropped a touchdown and hit him right in the eyeball on the goal line. No excuse. None whatsoever. Any tight end has to catch that ball. It's a touchdown. You go up two scores in the first quarter. Dropped it. 50-50 balls. What are we talking about? 50-50 balls. You're thinking, well, if you're calling it 50-50, Matt, why are you saying I should catch it? Because you're the receiver. DBs don't catch the ball. Receivers do. DBs don't practice catching the ball the entire practice. Receivers do. So when it's 50-50, it's an advantage receiver. It has to be on a team like Alabama who recruits more four- and five-star receivers and players like that than anybody. Tideman, I love you. But the truth of this is the play calling was exactly what it needed to be to give you a chance to win. The quarterback gave you a chance to win. You've been, you got a roster. You've got a history of guys like Amari Cooper and Julio Jones and Devontae Smith and, you know, all these guys over the years that have made unbelievable and caught every 50 50 ball. And you had two guys who aren't in the game for you the other night, and you don't have anybody that caught a 50 50 ball. And there was a couple of them, they weren't even 50 50. They hit them right in two hands and they drop it. When a tight end drops one in the end zone, when 84 drops one, an easy touchdown at the three, we can't blame the play caller. When the running back averages barely three yards a touch, stick around. Are you ready? Now back to the guy who loves his banana pudding. It's the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. All right, back with you. And uh, happy to be back here in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. And again, on this subject about and, and please don't, Tide Man, I appreciate you listening and calling, and I love to get in these debates. Please don't take me disagreeing with your take and in any way as being contentious. I, it ain't that way at all. I'm just making my point, okay? I hope it doesn't come across to uh, the other way. But here's the thing. So the idea, and I'm, I'm sure there are others who feel the same way too, Tide Man, the idea that Bill O'Brien cost Alabama by not running the ball um, that it was his fault, you know, and throwing it, you know, Rooster called in and said, well, their problem was they threw it too much. Air raid won't work in the SEC. It's just proof of that. Listen, that's all, that's taking a very at-the-surface look. And let me give you another example. Stay with me on this now. Stay with me. This is important. Let's take another just barely under the surface look at the idea of running the ball. I pointed out overall numbers. And when you got Robinson, you gave it to him 22 times, he averages 3.1 yards per carry. That's in a four-quarter game. How many times do you have to see that to decide, oh, we can't do it? What, just keep giving it to him for 3.1? Won't work. Especially not if there's not a mix. I mean – Think about this. He gets 3.1 yards per carry on 22 carries against Georgia, and a lot of times Georgia thought you might throw it. A lot of times Georgia didn't know what you were going to do, and you still only got 3.1. What if you commit to it 
And it's like you make it obvious, we're just going to hand it off, hand it off. You say put in a fullback. You put in a fullback, they pretty much know what you're doing, right? What if Georgia knows what you're going to do, how many yards per carry you're going to get? It's just like inside the goal line or inside, uh, in, inside the 10-yard line or inside the 15. Everybody's rushing yards per carry go down significantly inside the 15. Why? All those defenders line up closer to the line of scrimmage. I'm not talking about average. I'm talking about the rushes go down significantly because you get down there and linebackers, instead of five yards off the ball, they're three. Safeties, instead of eight yards off the ball, they're four. I mean, harder to run the ball down there. But take one more, one closer look. Consider this, and then I'm coming to the phone line and we'll see where we go with it. First down. Bryce Young's on the field. There's a number one over there on the yardstick. It's first down. We got a new set of downs. We're running plays. Okay, it's not a not crucial. This is just an first down's an opportunity down. It's not a critical down. It's an opportunity down. First down. Anything can happen on first down, good or bad. We still got life, right? On first down, is the it, first down is the least predictable down for a defense in terms of situationally knowing if you're going to run or pass. You know, against a team like Alabama who's balanced. It's the least predictable. On first down, by the way, Georgia massively outgained Alabama on first down plays, but here's what I'm pointing at. With a number one on the yardstick over there, Alabama ran the ball 14 times. Georgia 15. Georgia ran it one more time on first down than Alabama did. Georgia's offense ran it 15 times for 138 yards on first down. Alabama's offense ran it 14 times, one fewer, for 35 yards on first down. See, it's sequential. Tide man, we can't look at the number of plays and the number of run calls. I need to know when they were called. What if you had four turnovers inside the opponent's 15 and we got the ball first and goal every time? Well, that's going to affect the number of plays. Okay, so it's an extreme example. Alabama, 14 times handed it off. Georgia's offense handed it off 15 on first down. And on those, Georgia averaged almost 10 yards per carry on first down runs. Alabama, when they did it almost the same number of times, averaged two and a half yards per carry on first down. And when you are second and ten, second and nine, and every time you hand it off on first down, you're bang. What are you going to do? You going to line back up and butt your head up against that wall on second down with Bryce Young, the Heisman winner right here, knowing the film studies already told you the one way we're going to beat them is to throw it because it's what we did the first time. We beat them. The point is, Alabama's offensive issue was not Bryce Young, was not Brian Robinson, was not play calling, and it wasn't O'Brien. Alabama's secondary issue offensively was their offensive line. Their primary issue on offense was guys who couldn't and wouldn't catch the football. Period. All right.
over to the phone line. Jesse, hanging on line one of the Divinity phone. What's up, Jesse? What's up, Doc? Hey. Man, I'm a... Are you there, Jesse? I'm a fan of your show. And talk about the Alabama-Georgia game, I'm going to tell you just like this. Number one, Bryce went, Bryce did all he could to try to win that game. Uh, like you said, the Robert was one doing their job. They couldn't catch the ball. But at the same time, Georgia made it just. Hey, and look, that Georgia's, Georgia's secondary. Went, listen, you're right, Jesse, and and that secondary for Georgia covered them. Okay, it ain't like a bunch of those were yeah. e- easy catches. But when you're when you're a five star Alabama receiver, frankly, I expect you to catch that ball, and I think I'm justified in that. You know? Yeah. Hey Jesse, turn your radio. Oh, yeah. on. Hey, hey, turn your radio off for me because we have about a seven-second delay. Just talk to me on the phone because if you listen to the radio, it's going to be way behind. I got you. Yeah, but like you said, though, I think what Alabama, what Alabama should have. Because I'm an Alabama fan. I think what I saw from the first time, this Georgia defense, this Georgia team is going to be different from the first time they met mm-hmm. because Georgia I already know. Okay, we facing the first time. Bryce Young is going to have to win this game. So what Georgia defense made, pretty much made them do, Bryce Young, you got to go out here and you got to win this game on your own. We're going to take away your run. Yo, number one receiver's out, okay. Who's going to make the play? Mm. Nobody stepped up. Bryce Young, even though Bryce Young did what he could, Georgia's defense had enough information and knew what to do to make Bryce Young go out there and pretty much beat them on their own. But at the end of the day, he couldn't do it because when the when Bryce even with the club the throws that he was making, guess what? Receivers weren't catching the ball. And That's when you it. and when your job is to catch the ball to make the game easy for Bryce Young and you don't do it, what you expect to happen. That's it. Congratulations to Georgia. But Georgia made the adjustment. Yeah. They they did. They Georgia really, really covered and they won the line of scrimmage better than they did the first time they played them. There's there's no question about it. But again, and Jesse, you're an Alabama fan. I, I hope you will get a chance to watch it. It's on. Um, I've got it on my Twitter feed. I'm Radio Wyatt on Twitter. It's on the the Facebook page, and it's on YouTube. And it's just it's, it says Bryce Young wasn't the issue. And you'll watch it. I've got six examples of plays of pass catchers. Uh, uh, I think it's two different tight ends. It's two or three different mm-hmm. receivers that where Bryce Young. In some very heated and pressure situations, stepped into getting hit, makes throws that to me, I'm looking at it and I'm just telling you, any NFL evaluator, anybody would look at that and go, holy cow, how did he make that throw? And the guy didn't catch the and the guy didn't catch the ball. If they catch the football, the tight end, if he just catches the football in the end zone there on that, when they they go up, uh, they would have gone up what 16 to three early in the game. There's one late. In the third quarter, where the, he hits a guy into the four yard line in both hands, and there's nobody between him and the end zone, the guy just doesn't catch the ball. Late, it, in, at the end of the fourth quarter, Jesse, there was a minute and a half left, and it was an eight point game. And the play before he threw the interception, he threw the go route up the right sideline, and it was a perfect. Man, and, and the guy put up one arm, he didn't even put up two hands trying to catch the ball. I'm like, what are, we, what are you recruiting? Like, what are you recruited to do if they make plays the way past Alabama receivers made plays? He made all the plays you can make as a quarterback against that right. kind of pressure, against that kind of defense. Exactly. 
And and, and like you said, it, it goes back to the concept. Just do your job. It ain't about who number wide receivers or not. You get you you got one job to do. Yep. If Bryce Young is out here and he then he's he getting pressure because Georgia Georgia defense was not playing with Bryce Young. Let's not Georgia defense came to play. Yes, they did. They was ready. So if you Bryce Young and you got like you said, you recruiting all these wide receivers. If you go back to the last few years, guess what? Those Alabama receivers. Oh my gosh! With a quarterback like Bryce, oh they making them catch. Hey, you're exactly right. And see, that's why. I, I believe, quietly, without any hoopla, inside the Alabama football office, whoever is coaching the Alabama receivers, and I know they've had injuries, was having a real tough meeting sometime in the last couple of days with Nick Saban because that was a tough conversation. Who's responsible for making sure these guys are ready to catch the ball? Jesse, I appreciate your call, man. Thank you for being patient. Call me anytime. You're right. That was that would not. I don't know who the receivers coach is. Outside receivers, but a lot of it's on those players too. So, you know, when you lose a game, there's always a lot of reasons for it. And to Bryce Young's credit, he stepped up in the post game, took all the blame. He didn't point one finger. All he said was, "Guys, after injuries, everything. Guys stepped up and did their jobs, and, it, and it's on me. I didn't get us in the end zone." Well, I appreciate that. That's the way you're supposed to talk as a quarterback. The reality is there were some incompletions in that game because the receiver didn't catch it that some NFL evaluators watched and went, that's all I need to see. <laughs> it's one of the be- He had a couple of the best throws by a college quarterback under pressure I might have ever seen. They didn't catch a football. Kid did all he could do. I'm Matt in the bureau. Stick around. Who's ready for some football? Hey, if you love football, so does he. It's the Matt Wyatt Show. Nobody breaks down quarterback play better than him. And he's right here, right now. All right, back with you. I'm Matt in the bureau. Uh, comment on Facebook. Tom said Young looked pedestrian with two NFL re- without two NFL receivers. Playing quarterback is much easier when receivers are running wide open. Now, the last part of the statement is absolutely true. When people are wide open, it does look much easier. Um, but I will tell you, I disagree. He did not look pedestrian. When you watch the tape of what was going on in front of him, what was going on down to the next level, even when he's getting hit, some of the throws that he made. Um, listen, there was a time in the third quarter he had back-to-back. Look it up. Third quarter. Alabama's across the 50. They had second 11, then third and 11. Back-to-back throws against pressure getting hit where he lays it out there and it should be catching. That one on third down was one of the most unbelievable throws against pressure I think I've ever seen. I mean, honestly, and the guy just didn't catch the ball. Hit him in both hands. People are going to watch the tape and the film and, and really appreciate the way Bryce Young played. And I know he had two interceptions, but let me tell you, most quarterbacks against that defense in that situation the other night would have been absolutely chewed up and spit out. And he gave his team a chance. If they catch a football, they'd have won the ball game. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. So I, I disagree on that. All right, over to the phone line, Divinity Equipment phone. KC Tiger hanging on. What's up, KC? Uh, hey, Matt. It's won't take long. But uh, I just want to um, flash back to the last rematch, or one of the – the three matches in 2011 with uh, LSU and Alabama. Mm-hmm. 
you had a uh, a less talented quarterback uh, playing for Alabama, but there was one particular six foot five tight end that was catching every fifty fifty pass that was thrown at him. I can't remember his name, but uh, he made the difference in the a lot of the difference in the game in uh, Alabama's offense. You know, uh, I need to go. We never. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say I need to go back and look and see who that would have been. And you're talking about a tight end for Alabama, right? Yeah, he's a tall guy. He may have been a wide receiver, but I'm pretty sure he was a tight end. Okay, uh, all right. But but, but um, he, he called it like you say. You the fifty fifty comment really struck out to me because he mm. was if it was anywhere in your end, he had, you know he he may have been covered up by the defensive back and he still caught the ball. Okay, and and um, and Casey, you're talking about. The first when we had the rematch a couple of years ago, Alabama and Georgia in the national title game. Um, or were you talking about so against, was that a rematch? Alabama? Did Alabama play Georgia in the regular season? Well, no, year? maybe they didn't. Did Georgia play Auburn that year in the SEC title game and then played Alabama? Maybe that's what. Yeah, it was. I, I don't. I don't remember, but uh, I definitely remember the uh, 2011 game where we didn't make it across 50 yard line. <laughs> yeah, 11. Okay, so the 2011 game. Yeah, it's a. See, yeah. that's, the older uh, I get, the harder it is to remember 10 years ago. I can remember 30 years ago, great, but 10 years ago is getting fuzzy. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that is. I've been racking my racking my brain trying to remember that guy's name. That the the, yeah. the uh, tight end. But anyway, yeah, it seems to me that whenever there's a rematch, though. The the the, uh, the players that know they let them down in the first part of the first part of the game, mm-hmm. first game, mm-hmm. they really show up. Uh, and you like your defensive line for for Georgia, mm-hmm. um, they were, they kind of took it personally. It seemed seemed like and, it. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's usually the that's why it's a tough to beat the same team twice. Yeah, if you're both elite. You're about to lead. It's really tough to be. Apparently so, though. because you know that stat. That stat's pretty telling that they put up there the other night. They showed all these, you know, top five rematches, and it's like every single one of them. The the team that lost the first time has come back around and won the second. You know, and that held true the other night for sure. Hey, I appreciate the call. Thanks for listening. Call me anytime. Uh, Jason in Flagstaff. On the country please and text line said, just curious, how many of the people saying these things are the ones who said Will Rogers had a weak arm, was limited? And then 12 minutes after the Auburn game, we're saying he's a better quarterback than Matt Corral because of passing the yard statistics. <laughs> we, as fans, I will say, Jason, we really do, <clears throat> as fans, have a lot of recency bias built into us, don't we? We come out of Saturday, and the result really swings our thoughts and opinions one way or the other. <laughs> and I guess we're all guilty of that to a degree. Ernest T. texted the show, and he said uh, Young did his job and proved to the nation he is one tough kid. I'm a huge fan. Hey, Ed Rascal's got my respect. I'll tell you that much. He's got my respect. And a, and a young guy, too. like Named Young, but he's a young guy. Josh said, O.J. Howard. Howard was just a few years ago. Uh, Howard took over a national title game against someone for Bama. Yeah. And Tide Man, thanks for your text. He said, I truly appreciate the objectivity. Even when I disagree, I always know you're giving unbiased and educated opinions. That's why I love your show. Well, Tide Man, I appreciate that very, very much. 
Hey, Matthew. Hey, Bill, what's up? There, there's there's somebody here in the control room that has something he wants to say to you. Okay. <laughs> I think he's, he's Who is it? Up. It's, it's the beaver. Hey, Matt Wyatt. Mm. <laughs> well, beaver, how are you, sir? I don't know that I've talked to you in the new year, so happy new year to you. <laughs> happy new year to you on January the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're doing well, sir. I, I'm good. I'm good, Matt Wyatt. Uh, I was just telling Uncle Bill something yesterday, and I wanted to pass it along because I started hearing rumors back in December. And it was confirmed the other day, Uncle Bill told me that you made the announcement that you're going back to two hours. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a two-hour man now. <laughs> well, I just wanted to let you know that it, it seems like you're in the same camp now. You know how I have I still have abandonment issues from Chris Brooks? Mm -hmm. I feel like... <laughs> You guys are in the same ship. Like you, I feel like you're abandoning all, of, <laughs> abandoning all of us too. Yeah, I am not pulling a Chris Brooks and abandoning you. Okay, <laughs> that's that's all. I mean, Beaver, I, it's like this. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> you're get wait whoa whoa you're giving me the it's not you it's me <laughs> nobody gives me that's not you it's me if it's anybody it's me. Okay, I'm George. Okay, Costanza. All right, back down there. <laughs> pipe down no it's it, it's i don't think anybody can stand three hours of me a day anymore okay no i and and but in all honesty you know uh the time this there's 24 hours in a day there's only so much daylight a lot has to be done i just time's really tight two hours fits um so we're back to two hours that's all i'm saying Okay. Should I? Do, are you asking for an apology? Or? <laughs> no, I never got one from Chris, so I shouldn't expect one from you. At least you're gonna be. At least you're gonna stay with us two hours. Okay. Well, well, let me just say, though, for right now, for 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 now, I refuse to be compared to Chris. No. Okay, because I, I'm not going anywhere. All right. Two. I, I still do two hours of radio every day, which he always did, and I prepare for it. Okay, every day, so. which he never did. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the thing; I have no plans whatsoever of not doing radio. I mean, Beaver, for Pete's sake, my Twitter handle is Radio Wyatt. If yeah. I change, if I leave radio, <laughs> I got to change it, and You're I, stuck. I can't. I'm stuck, and then I can't do that. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Is that good? Yeah. Is yeah. that a good point? He had to vent. He just need to get that off his chest. Okay, has, well, don't leave. He has, he has issues. Well, he does. Beaver has yeah. abandonment issues. Yeah, he does. That's Chris how, just led, Chris led him down big time. <laughs> Chris, Chris was on the radio with us yesterday from a remote we were doing. Oh, yeah, how'd it go? And Beaver couldn't handle that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me say this, though, to Beaver and to Bill. It really does stink that Chris left right after Somebody delivered that giant metal gridiron sign to the studio. Yeah, and it's still sitting on the floor over here. I mean, Beaver should take that thing home, like put it on eBay and sell it, pocket the money or something. There you go. That's what I think. Uh, Beaver, appreciate you, man. Good to hear from you. You too, Matt Wyatt. You're, you're welcome anytime on the show. You just pop right on in. Seriously, open invitation in the hours of 12 to 2. Take you up on that. Okay. All right. Have a good one. You too. <laughs>
Okay. Abandonment issues. He's vetted. He's, he's feeling better. Isn't he's that something? Smiling. He's Beaver, smiling now. He really is a guy who he's got to get things off his chest. Yeah. You know, he's just that. That's We all have at least one friend who can really get in an uproar, can really get bothered about something, but you, here's what you know about them. Just let them get it out, and then they'll be fine. And I think that's the way Beaver is. Just let him get it off his chest. <laughs> uh, before we're done, Bill, I do want to tell you that. Let's see. Today, on this day in 19... Hold on. On this... I'm almost there. I'm about to get... Hold on. On this day in 1998, ABC and ESPN negotiated... To keep Monday Night Football for $1.15 billion a season. Wow. Now, that was 1998. In 98. I mean, seriously, (laughs) what is it now? now? I saw that note earlier, and I was like, wait a minute. And I looked it up to check it, and yeah, it's the right number. 1998. ABC ESPN negotiated to keep Monday Night Football. It cost them $1.15 billion with a B in 1998. That's about the only thing that cost a billion in 1998. From billion to just Bill. Appreciate you, Bill. All right, you too, sir. For Bill, I'm Matt. And for Beaver and everybody here on the show, we'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. See you then. See you.